What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash pro revenge. Should have been recording this a little while ago, but I was upstairs playing with a new kitty cat. Um, if you listen to my Tales from Tech Sports stories, you'd know... Uh, basically, I'm going to do the shorter version this time. Uh, somebody came zooming down our street in our neighborhood yesterday, no, the day before, and uh, dumped a cat out on the side of the street. Cat ran to the neighbor's house uh, and sort of huddled up by the foundation. I found the well, other people found the cat, but they didn't want to take him in and foster. And uh, we approached the cat. Cat was nice, just scared. And uh, we brought it in for fostering, got the chip checked and all that. Somebody came forward, but they were totally psycho. That's another Karen story for another day. And uh, so far, no new owners showing up and uh, nobody able to actually give me details. You know, I've had a couple people say it was their cat, but... They can't tell me why it's their cat. Like, give me some details about your cat. So if nobody comes forward, then uh, he's ours. So there you go. All right, let's do some pro revenge. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, enjoy litigation and demotion. Ancient history. I started out my working life in a small rural English town in Lincolnshire. Lincolnshire or Lincolnshire? I don't know. You guys can tell me. With low pay and high unemployment. In 1996, I started working for a local government IT department. I was fired in 2002 after I noticed that a whole host of ideas and new pieces of software and spreadsheets that I made were suddenly in use with my boss, let's call him Paul, claiming them as his own. Management sided with him. It eventually ended in a court battle, but this is another story. Fresh from the court battle and with a seven-figure payout, I moved to Wiltshire. Wiltshire? Wiltshire? Uh, side note, little tangent here. I have a feeling that I, I seem to remember... Uh, British people, English people would say something like that with the long, like Shire, Wiltshire. Uh, for me, you know, East Coast US, we tend to say things, most of us tend to say things like Wiltshire. Uh, so I'm probably butchering it, but let me know. Anyway, I moved to Wiltshire in 2004 and started my own business in IT, first as a consultant, then as an MSP who mainly dealt with security, web software, and asset management. We offered IT support, but that market was overcrowded, so we had a slow uptake on that. Rescuing an old friend. Cut to 2015. An old friend from my local government days, let's call this one Andrew, gets in touch. Andrew tells me that he needs some help with his IT company back in Lincolnshire. They were one of three companies in my old hometown who were support-based service providers, and they were struggling to expand. He wanted me to take over running their support team as a consultant. We agreed to a small fee, 25k, and I got started. After a month, I delivered a detailed report as to why the company was underperforming. I volunteered to stay on and reshape the company. Andrew, the owner, said yes and put me in full control of the support department. A month later, we were running in with high efficiency. I suggested that he needs a dedicated salesman, and he said that he knew just the person. Re-enter Paul. Remember the guy from earlier? Paul, who fired me and claimed my work as his own? Guess who Andrew recruited? Andrew was unaware of what Paul had done to me, so as far as he was concerned, Paul was going to dynamically transform the company. Paul caused so much chaos that every team suffered, and the three most experienced people quit. Profits took a nosedive and he had to control everything. Again, he took all of my policies and procedures, threw them out, then after a few months reinstated them as his own. He refused to pay me for a side project, some software development work that I did on my own time. The last straw was when he brought in a girl half my age called Tessa, made up name to replace me, without telling me that it was happening. I told Andrew that I was leaving immediately. He seemed upset, but he understood. Paul tried to force me to have an exit interview, as it was in my contract. I asked him where, and he had no idea. 
My response was that he had no idea and was a poor excuse for a manager, before I turned and walked away. Revenge Part 1 After a week back home, I spoke to a lawyer. If I could show that the side project was officially requested and completed, but not paid for by Paul or Andrew, then it could be argued that it was my property. I still had the source code for this project on my personal laptop and had kept all the relevant emails. I emailed Andrew asking about the project and he replied that the client in question has never been a client of theirs, but was one of Paul's friends. I still also had access to the web host, so I logged in and downloaded and deleted the software and database, replacing it, replacing it with a holding page. I sat back and waited. I received a solicitor's letter from Paul's solicitor telling me to put the website back or else. My solicitor replied, telling Paul that unless he pays £12,000 for the development work plus a fixed fee for legal charges, the website stays where it is. He had 28 days. After 28 days, there were still no funds, so the site stayed down. A week later, I received a notice that I was being sued by Paul for stealing his intellectual property and for illegally breaking into a web host and deleting software and confidential information. He offered to settle if I paid him £30,000. I submitted a counterclaim for the £12,000 plus costs. So off to trial we went. The judge found that Paul was vastly exaggerating, if not lying, and that I had all the evidence to prove it. I was awarded my original £12,000 plus interest and costs. On the way out of court, I could hear Paul berate his legal representative. Within 28 days, he had deposited the money with my solicitor who took his fees and sent me the rest. Revenge the second part. And this is what makes it more satisfying. Over the years, my own business had grown significantly. In 2016, when I quit from Andrew's business because of Paul, it had turned over an eight-figure sum and a nice profit. Bear in mind that in those days, I employed 45 people. You can probably see where this is going. In early 2018, Andrew reached out to me again and apologized for Paul's behavior. Paul had tried to shift the bill to Andrew's company, but the company solicitor had told him no. Paul was left having to sell some personal belongings so that he could pay it off. He had also offered to buy Andrew's business to allow him to retire. In order to raise the £300,000 offer for the company, Paul sold two of his cars and all three horses. Yes, that's not a typo. Paul had three horses. Andrew formally put his business up for same, and my company put in a bid along with three others. Andrew accepted mine, as it offered him the option to retire properly and still keep the promise to his staff of job retention. Paul's lowball offer was rejected because I think by then Andrew had realized that Paul was all talk and very much of a bully. Paul never connected the dots between me and my company. Sure, the offer came through a retained legal firm in London, and they were to be bought by a subsidiary company and not the main group, so I think he didn't bother checking who the new owners were. We asked Andrew to come out to us in Wiltshire at our expense, and agreed on a transition where at the end, he would retire and enjoy his golf and fishing. He would also help draw up the handover documents and contracts. My name was kept out of anything. I sent in a team during the transitional period consisting of a solicitor, my CFO, a senior support officer, and a senior salesman. They were to assess the situation and further inspect the business. The team realized that although customer feedback was fantastic and the customer base was wide and diverse, the business had unsuitable premises and old technology. Each team was broadly left to their own devices until they got out of hand, when Paul took tight control. Our existing policies would be enough to stop that. On the last day of the transitional period, the team assembled everyone and told them that from Monday, there would be changes. Shirt and trousers was now men's uniform. Women had to wear business casual attire. New staff would be coming in to reshape the business, but no one would be losing their jobs. Although some will have to be redeployed. The new owner would be there at 9am Monday morning to explain everything and expected everyone to be in attendance and ready. Andrew said his goodbyes and retired. Monday morning I rock up and everyone looks bemused. I introduce myself to the two new apprentices and then explain that I now own this business as a remote office to my main company. 
Everyone's job is safe, although there are some people who would be moved around in accordance with their skills. That's roughly when Paul walks in. Paul arrived in scruffy clothes, looking and smelling like he's just spent five years living on the streets. As it turns out, he was cleaning out his stables for the final time, and that smell was horse manure. He tells me that I can't be here and that we're waiting for the new owner, who he can't believe is late. So I need to leave and cut all the BS before he gets here. There's a pause and no one makes a sound for a good five seconds before the penny drops. I then introduce some of the new staff and tell the existing staff to sort login accounts and email addresses for them. I go to Paul's office and use that as my base while I one-to-one all the existing staff. Most are happy. Tessa begged me not to demote her, and I gave her a month to prove herself. After some pointers and some training, which she wasn't originally given, she excelled in the role. Paul wasn't happy with the demotion, but he immediately went from the verbose bully to the very servile yes-man, because he knew that if I let him go, he'd have to find a real job. In 2020, just after COVID restrictions were lifted, we rebranded them as my company and moved into new offices. We also introduced a retail outlet that sells everything from a new mouse to entire systems. Where their profit used to be a low to mid-five figures, we've grown their business and personnel, given everyone pay raises well above the local average salary, and we're on target this year for a high six-figure profit. And Paul, he's still there, moaning about how he's been mistreated and how he deserves to be running the company. He's a good salesman, though. I love, absolutely love these stories where somebody who's been crapped on through a lot of their career when they're working for other companies get to come back later and either sue or buy out the company. And this story had both and really put it to the guy that screwed them over in the beginning. So, uh, yeah, good for you, man. I hate Paul's of the world. They, they really are. They're slimy. You know, I, I, I hate to put down used car salesmen, but stereotypically that's the way you would look at a used car salesman, just slimy, underhanded, you know, stealing people's sales or ideas and all that stuff. And it's just, yeah, I got no time for people like that. Ugh. I left behind a dead man switch in the company workflow when I sensed I was about to be bullied into quitting. Another bully story. First of all, the story's a bit older, but I'll keep stuff rather ambiguous at times just for my own safety. I don't know how much my company can find out. I hope I can put it into words so everyone understands, especially as English is not my first language. That's alright, I barely speak English myself. Also, there will be a TLDR at the bottom. Also, also, there are some Google translations in this, so please be merciful. Let's get started. I started working in logistics at a company that builds things. That was just as COVID was starting, actually. When I started, we were five people in the team, but one of the guys quit soon after. This is important because it was very good insight into how my department operates when they don't need or want a certain someone around. They will not outright fire you since they have to pay you a severance, but instead they'll bully you into quitting. I saw pretty much the whole package, excluding them from meetings and important events, putting them down in public, lecturing them, never noticing good work done, but always making sure everyone knows about work that's poorly done. Drowning someone in work and then berating them when they inevitably can't keep up. It was outright childish at times. I didn't register it at the time, but it was a really valuable lesson for later. I was put in charge of managing our overseas suppliers, among other things. About half of our material came from overseas, most of that from China. While it seems like a big task for someone new, it wasn't done out of malice. Genuinely, everyone believed we were going to get a guy in China for the Chinese supplies, Then I'd be left with a handful of others. It seemed fair. But we never got that guy for China, and I was left with all overseas suppliers. Another important thing is that just in this project, the company had decided to change the workflow for overseas suppliers. This is because due to COVID, the price of shipping containers had exploded. To explain it as simply as possible, previously the suppliers were responsible for filling our containers and bringing them to the harbor. We were responsible for picking them up from the harbor and bringing them to us. 
However, due to demands and many other things, sometimes we just needed two or three pallets of parts where a dozen or more could fit inside a container. So we were shipping a lot of air. The new workflow would have the suppliers bring the parts to an external warehouse, one in the US and one in China. Then we would load them into containers and get the containers as full as possible, and then bring them to the harbor and then into our plant. This way we needed to rent far fewer containers. This complicated things because it erased the direct contact from us to the suppliers, and there was no official method how we were going to keep in contact with suppliers. Tell them how many parts we need, how to package them, if there were any changes requested, etc. During that time, I was left mostly alone to deal with it, and I set up a system with Excel. It was mostly manual, rather simple, but it worked well. It worked so well that one of the suits even chatted with me about it for a bit since he wanted to make it a standard in future projects. And also, this is very important, I was the only person who actually knew all of our overseas suppliers and their contacts. Some of you might be able to tell where this story is going already. So during that entire time, nobody had actually bothered to ask me to explain to them how my system worked and where I kept track of all the supplier contacts. All of this data was hidden on like slide 800 of some Excel file I had saved in a folder titled Part Pictures, which was otherwise filled with pictures of parts. Now moving forward, as COVID began dying down, the department, for whatever reason, decided they didn't need me anymore. I have theories, but nothing certain, so I'll just leave it at that. I pretty much saw precisely the same thing go down as I had seen with that one guy who had left shortly after I started. All the bullying. I thought to myself at first that if I pull through and keep doing a good job, and I believe I did a good job, that they would eventually cool down. But they didn't. After two months of that, I said, F it, and decided to just sit out and endure until the Christmas bonus we get every year, and then hand in my notice. And also, I just delayed teaching anyone how my system worked until I was gone. And that's pretty much how it happened. Off topic, for my own future employment, I actually lucked out. One of the local suppliers I was managing had a really chill guy as managing director. I gave him a call, explained that I was about to be unemployed, and asked if they needed staff. He then called me into an interview. We talked about anime for an hour while his HR lady looked confused about what Attack on Titan was, and he told me I can come in the moment I'm done with my then-current job. Back on topic, a month into working at my new job, I got a call from my old job. The department manager, to his credit, he was always a reasonable guy. He told me in plain words that they have no idea where they have to even start with the Chinese suppliers. He then offered me my old job back with a very respectable pay increase. I explained that I already had a new job. Two days later, I got another call where the same manager offered me many times my monthly salary just to come in for a one week and instruct my whole team in how my processes functioned, introduce them to all the contacts, etc. I told him I refused because of the way I had been treated by them when I worked there. He said that he understood and wished me luck at my new job and hung up. The reason I'm writing this story now? This week I randomly got in touch with some of the people in the transport department from my old job. They mentioned that in the now 10 months since I left, the logistics department racked up 8 figure losses due to the wrong deliveries. Over and under deliveries, outdated parts, some suppliers canceling their contracts and new suppliers needing to be sourced, etc. And all the blame for that fell on my old team. My new job is fine. It's not the best job, but I get to travel a lot and get nice bonuses for it. My boss isn't around much since he married. I do sometimes regret not taking that offer for a week as an instructor. So yeah, hope you all enjoyed the read. Too long didn't read? Company put me in charge of managing overseas suppliers, unintentionally making me the only guy who knew the suppliers and knew the system I had created to exchange data with them. When my company started bullying me into quitting, I avoided instructing anyone from my team in how my system worked, leading to them asking me to come back after I quit and then racking up eight-figure losses after I refused to come back. Wow! That's crazy, man. But yeah, there's a lot of companies out there, whether it's for, you know, 
uh, shallow reasons like how they would appear to the community and things like that. Uh, or whether it's because of legal reasons they you know, some States you can't just fire people for no apparent reason or a made up reason in some States, like where I live, you know, it's a no, it's a no cause state. They don't have to tell you a reason that they're firing you, but if they do give you a reason, it better be a damn good one. Most companies and most companies know this, but most companies are better off just keeping their mouth shut and, uh, just saying they have no, no more need for your position if they're smart. And as for the cost of containers, I totally get it. Coming from a construction background, we used to rent, you know, storage containers all the time, sea containers, Connex boxes for you guys from the military. Anyway, uh, it's kind of like saying Kleenex for any brand of tissue. But anyway, yeah, we used to rent the 20 footers and the 40 footers and uh, they were great, you know, temporary storage sheds, workshops and whatever on certain job sites. I kind of wanted some for us to be able to put crap in while we're working on the house or to turn into a shed that had some structure to it. And, uh, yeah, the cost skyrocketed. I mean, it had never been totally cheap. I mean, from a business standpoint, they were pretty cheap. There was a couple of job sites where it was actually cheaper for me to buy the containers and keep them on site for the entire job and then sell them to somebody else or back to the other company. We actually saved thousands of dollars doing that. Not that I ever got credit for it, but whatever. Usually I got bitched out because we bought the containers and, you know, as soon as I turned in the receipt, the bookkeepers were just going out of their minds. But we all know how some bean counters can be. Not all of them. But some. Hey guys, YouTube thinks you're going to like this video right here and it really helps the channel if you click on it. So uh, yeah, I'm begging. Please click it. Seriously. See ya.